Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Just Jen. As you're, and you're along with us as we keep the Hope Train moving on down the tracks. Choo-choo! We got a special, special show of Hope coming your way we're going to be talking about um music saxophones concerts destiny purpose living your life dream it's going to be an awesome awesome show if i do say so myself like kenny g music right well, I, I think with a little bit more flair. Ooh, I like flair. With a little bit more edge, with a little bit more personality, with a little bit more, may I say, hope. Oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> love it already. I love it already, too. I, I guess I'm just feeling a little uh, spring in my step. A spring in your step. Well, a little fall in my step. Oh. Well, I... You might want to spring and not fall. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the fall is creating the cooler temperatures. How about you, fall is in the air? Yeah. There you go. Is that what they say? Fall is in the air. Well, maybe that's what I'm feeling. Yeah. But I I, I feel uh, refreshed. You know what I'm feeling new, like? What? A banana donut. Jennifer, <laughs> we talked that we got to save each other from the banana donuts. Yes. When one person mentions banana donuts, the other person has to throw out the lifeline of, nope, we're not going to go. <laughs> that might be our kryptonite. I think it is our kryptonite. So just for context for our <laughs> wonderful listeners that are partaking in this conversation, uh, we went to Apple Hill in our area. So we're in the Northern California, base of the foothills, Sierra Nevada Mountains, and outside of Placerville, this gold mine and gold rush era town is mm-hmm. a place called apple hill and everyone goes there in the fall to get their you know apple pies and pumpkin this and burgers that and i mean there's orchards and it's just it's it, it's a fall experience yes it's an event it's quite an event and so we went this last weekend and we're um number one quite amazed at how many people were there yeah Thousands totally. of people, endless lines. Too many people. Half the people wearing masks, half the people maybe not wearing masks. Yikes. But we just happened upon one of the longest lines out there, and mm-hmm. it was the donut line. Now, <laughs> for yours truly, donuts are my kryptonite. <laughs> as a kid, donuts. Loved donuts. Still, as apple an adult, apple fritters. Apple fritters are my go-to. That's your thing. The crust, the outside edge. If it's a little burn, yes. if it's a little crunchy, and it's just the way it tastes in your mouth. Oh, yep. love that! And so we mm-hmm. found a donut shop. They were selling fresh donuts in the in all throughout the day. See, donut places they always cook early in the morning. And then by noon, they're gone. Yes. This place we got there at like two, and yeah. they had donuts. And then they're fresh, like Krispy Kreme. Yeah. And Jen and I had never had. A banana donut. So describe what it tasted like. Banana. (laughs) (laughs) It it tasted like banana bread times ten. Like you would not think banana and donut would go together, but like as soon as you as soon as it hit your tongue Mm -hmm. and swirled around your taste buds, it was like, why Mm -hmm. hasn't this been a marriage made in heaven since all beginning? Banana frosting on it. 
like a like a glaze. It had like a banana glaze on the top. Jennifer, stop. I know. I feel the pounds coming on me right now. I'm not even a foodie and you're getting me to salivate. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like an over an hour away. So we know we're not going back there. At least not today. No, not <laughs> We're not allowed to let each other go. So you think come the weekend, we're not going to be making a trip to Apple Hill to go get banana no, donuts? No, I have goals. I, I got, I, if you're smart, you'd put money on this, whether or not we're going to go to Banana Capitol Hill we're not. or whatever. We're not. I'm not. You're not? No. You can't be talked into it? Nope. So if I said, if I woke up in the morning and said, we're going to go get banana donuts, you'd stop me. Yeah, because I told you I wanted to paint. You would I, stop me. I want. I would stop you because we're supposed to paint the girl cave. Oh, I don't want to do that. I want to go get banana donuts. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So time to tell some funnies. Let's tell some jokes. All right. Okay. All right. You ready? I'm re- you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Then let's uh, hear your funny. Okay. Why do pilgrims' pants always fall down? Why do it has something to do with fall, Thanksgiving, fall down? I don't know why. Because they wear their buckles on their hats. <laughs> uh, I I I would have never gotten that one. No, I would have never lasted long enough to uh, to get that one. That was a good one. You would have kept guessing. Yes, exactly. So you ready for mine? Yep. All right, here we go. I keep connecting with these puns, so here we go. I can't believe Jennifer. I got fired from the calendar factory. All I did was take a day off. (laughs) Does that mean you have to work every day? Yeah. Oh, because you were making calendars and you took... No, I took a day off. So now we only have 364 days in the year. Oh. Jennifer. But sometimes we only have 364 days in the year. Leap year. Don't we get an extra day on leap year? Isn't it? it, Yeah, it is. We get an extra day. Oh. They don't take away an extra day. Well, they, they, yeah. They (laughs) they take away days (laughs) on every three years. Yeah. So three years they take away days and then a year we get a day. Exactly. That's it. So, yeah. That's exactly what you were trying to say. Yeah, because I think we should always have that extra day and they take it away for three years. I know. That's so not right. (laughs) It's not. It's not right. All right, you ready for our guest? I'm ready. All right, so I've got a very, very talented, very well-known, infamous, especially in the Miami area, but really worldwide, musician coming on. His name is John Sachs. He is a saxophone master. JohnSachs.com, S-A-X-X.com. And you know what I love about his story? What do you love? He grew up going to college Becoming a mechanical engineer, like a manufacturing engineer, actually. And so now, through a series of events, through some purposeful reflection, through some happenstance Mm. occurrences, he is now living his best life being a musician, playing in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So we're going to talk to him about his life, and we're going to talk to him about hope. Awesome. You ready? Yes. Shall I call him? Let's call him. All right, let me get on the line. All right, I've got John Sachs on the line. John, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you? I am amazing. How are you? I am amazing as well. Two amazing people getting on the line to talk about hope. What are the possibilities, John? We might even change the world with this conversation. Well, the possibilities are endless if you have imagination. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. So for the benefit of our listeners, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. What, you know, where am I calling you at? Where do you live? And tell us what you do and, and whether, are you married? you have kids, etc. Okay. Uh, well, my name is John. I live in Miami, Florida. And I play the saxophone professionally. I have an entertainment company called John Sax Entertainment. And I am the proud musician of our Miami Heat, even though we lost to the Lakers. It's all good. That's <laughs> been my love. And Miami Dolphins and the Thoroughbred Association. And I have an amazing charity called the Prestige Club. Um, and we help families in need down here in South Florida. Um, so I guess that's what I would call my Superman part of myself. My Clark Kent part of myself, um, my real name is Jonathan Ross, and I'm from Miami of Ohio, uh, in, Oxford, in Oxford, Ohio. Uh, love and honor to all the alumni listening. And I graduated from there with a degree in manufacturing engineering. And then I moved down here to Florida, which is the bridge that got me here, to work for Johnson & Johnson for cardiovascular disease management. And my driving force was my grandfather... I had congestive heart failure and it runs in my family. So I just took a deep dive into that and was in new product development and was a manufacturing lean process quality control guy in Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Europe. So after I got laid off, John Sachs, the superhero was created. <laughs> I love that. I love that you uh, have the alter ego. You've got the Clark Kent and then you've got the superhero version. And and I think your story is is so inspiring because, you know, we were talking offline for uh, a few minutes and and I just, you know, connected with this idea that every once in a while life throws you some significant curveballs, stuff that you just didn't see coming. And you know, I think for you, that's led to you uncovering your purpose, you know, like, so you go to college, you know, you spend money on college, you get a degree, you're in, in manufacturing and engineering, you get an engineering degree, start working with a great company, I would assume, Johnson & Johnson, and then all of a sudden, something happens, and you find yourself in a situation where you, you, you don't have a job, so t walk us through that, like, how, what was that first few days like, were you completely overwhelmed and taken back by it? Did you sense that anything like this was coming or was it just a complete surprise for you? Okay, so let me take you back to the beginning when I was inspired to even become an engineer and play the saxophone. Okay. So that takes us back to fourth grade. Um, I was about 10 and it's career day. Career day <laughs> is amazing to me to this day. And there was a guy who came in and he said, who wants to fly? You know, you're you're ten years old, so you know your 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 people that you look up to are Superman, Batman, Sesame Street, the Muppets. So your imagination is all over the place. So I was like, I raised my hand. I said, I want to learn how to fly. Matter of fact, I jumped out of the, my chair and stood up and said, I want to learn how to fly. Because to me, being like Superman, he's gonna teach me how to fly a career day. I'm all for it. <laughs> so I love that. He pulled he pulled me up to the front. He stood me up. He put me on a chair. He said, put out your hands and close your eyes. And I said, okay. And he said, are you flying yet? And I opened my one eye. I said, no, I'm standing on a chair with my arms open and my eyes closed. I'm not flying. <laughs> and he was like, everybody give him a round of applause. Okay, when you're ready to learn how to fly, take my card and give me a call. So I went on back into the crowd. And I'm upset because he didn't teach me how to fly, but he told me to give him a call. Yeah, you just felt so, like you got shortchanged there. You, you, what, what you thought was going to happen isn't what happened. 
it did not happen. So I was like, okay, no problem. So the last um, career day people was the band. Yeah, but at the time, they only used the students to use it. So, you know, to me, it was a little boring. So, you know, most of us were asleep. But for some reason, <laughs> when they came to the saxophone uh, player, the teacher actually played. And I don't know what he played, but it woke me out of my sleep. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to play the saxophone. It sounded so amazing. I, it just was some of sound. I, I just, that's what I want to play. And I begged my parents for that saxophone. And so when you get ready to learn how to play uh, instrument in school, they you got to start with the flutophone or the recorder first. And they say, once you master this, then you can get a saxophone. Well, I didn't want to play the recorder or the flutophone. I wanted to play the saxophone. So they said, if you master this flutophone, we'll get you a saxophone. So I went in and did everything I did to get that saxophone. Now, to back up to engineering, engineering, I called Mr. Thomas Graves, which is his name, and he worked for Johnson & Johnson. So this was the and guy that came on career day, the guy that said, do you want to fly? This was the guy that came on career day, was at Johnson & Johnson, um, and he was a packaging engineer. So what he would do is those diagnostic catheters and those things like that, he packaged those. So I remember the first day that I went to see him, they signed me in. And when you first walk in through the doors of Johnson & Johnson, there's this thing called the Hall of Patents. And it just so happened that his name was on like 20 of them. So I'm thinking these are like science projects, like we, like I would have known in the fourth grade, of stuff that he's done. But no, these are really patents that he's done. And he took me on a tour of, it was like going into the engineering amusement park. And I was blown away. And the saxophone had blown me away. So those two have always come hand in hand. Um, I grew up playing for my pastor in church. So the saxophone has always been there since the fourth grade. So that was always my stress reliever for no matter, for no matter what. So that's it, it, it. So it's always been there to, to help guide me through when life got hard. That's where I took my emotions to. You or know what? When, no, I was just, I was just going to, I was just remarking to myself as you were, you were talking, I was just trying to do the math because you, you met this guy on career day in the fourth grade. And then how long uh-huh. was it after that, that you're actually visiting Johnson and Johnson? That summer. Okay. So you, you still went as a kid that summer to go check out what he was doing. I wanted, I wanted to learn how to fly. Oh, you, I love <laughs> So the, the, the engineering and stuff was cool, but I wanted to learn how to fly. So whatever, so if he's going to teach me how to learn how to fly, then I'm going to pay attention to whatever he's talking about. And he just happened to be an engineer at Johnson & Johnson. Whoa, what a, what an impact. What what a moment for a guy to come in and touch you and touch your life at the exact time that you needed it and inspired you for a career and or life course direction. I mean, I, I just love that. The power of a career day. Like, this this is awesome. Well, I mean, what's so very interesting about this is I can remember it and tell it to you in detail like this. So thank you for asking me these questions because you're touching on a place that I probably haven't discussed ever, really. Not not fully like we're talking right now. So thank you for just the memories. It's amazing. No, I, I just I just love it. I mean, I, I you, when you connect to those memories, you know, the origin story of where things 
begin for you in those formative years? I mean, when you're when you're under the age of ten, so much about life is is fantasy and opportunity and possibility and excitement, etc. You know, it's like the older that we get, the more we we lose sight of that often. And so, to hear your story, to hear about how impactful Career Day was to you in that moment, completely reframes. You know, if I was invited to career day, I'd be I'd be like so excited now to go just because of your story, just because, you know, you never know who you might impact, you know, who who might be listening and watching. And then that that might be the basis for their life change or their purpose or whatever moving forward. So I, I love it. Thank you for for sharing that. So you go see him. He's a he's a Johnson and Johnson. He's got all these patents on the wall that had to have been super impressive in and of itself. I mean, I look at that and go, whoa, this guy's, you know, changing the world with his mind, how he thought about different mechanisms to solve problems. Well, you know, it's like walking into an amusement park. And when you're a child, everything is larger than life. Everything is big. Everything is amazing because you've never seen this before. You've never heard of these devices. You know, you know what Johnson Johnson is because you've used the baby powder and the lotion and stuff. But to be see another side of Johnson and Johnson you never knew existed is like a music part. Oh, that's fascinating. That's really, really good. So he he's still he he hooked you with this whole thing about flying. So why did he mention flying? I mean, I think about this engineer at Johnson and Johnson that's that's making stuff for packaging. Like, how did he connect the flying to what he was doing or to you? Well, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth graders, you know, have a very vivid imagination. And sometimes what they see, they stick with. So I would use fly to get the kids as I do now. I do all my career days just like that. Every And I do about 20, 30 career days a year. But I start off just like that. And, the, and I make the kids do the same thing that they did to me. Every time I have a picture of it, it's so amazing. <laughs> I love because, it. Because, you know, at, the, at that age, Superman, Batman, the Muppets, um, that that's your frame of reference for people that you look up to. You you actually want to be Spider Man and crawl on the wall. So you think you can do that? And of course, your parents help develop. They help your parents help you dream for you before you knew you could dream for yourself. So they will put you in a in a Spider Man and put you on the wall, act like you're climbing, or they would take you through the air, act like you're flying. So that's the type of imagination that parents are instilling into you. So you know, I don't look at even talking to adults. I treat some adults like little kids. So that they can feel like they need to feel again, getting in touch with that inner child, because I think there is where we lose, as you were saying before, we lose the Superman, we we lose the Spider-Mans, we lose the fact that we can walk on water or we can fly through the air like the cartoons did. And I think that's what's missing. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that uh, as kids, dreaming is such a huge part of your everyday life and your mind work. You know, you're dreaming, you have imagination, you're playing, etc. I feel like the older th- that we get, the less we dream, the less we use our imagination. And, you know, that's what's been interesting to me about, um, you know, the current environment with COVID, etc. Is, is people are calling it the great pause. And I think that people that are using this time wisely are reflecting. They're reflecting on their life. They're reflecting on whether they're happy or not. They're reflecting on whether or not they're in the right job or that they're following what what that that deep inside their spirit calling that they feel is there, but they've resisted to do the normal, to do the, 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 you know, expected or whatever. And I think 2020 has just shaken everything up in that regard. And, and I think, uh, I hope it connects people more with, uh, you know, dreaming and imagine what the possibilities are. Maybe somebody 
loses a business and and they think that that's the end of the world when the reality of it is is it could be the beginning of a new world for them and a beginning for their purpose you know like like with you like at Johnson and Johnson like you're working with them and then all of a sudden you you get laid off well you know what one thing like I'm so glad that you said the great pause and that's exactly what has happened and so for me, what does a pause mean? That's like a vacation. That's like a control, alt, delete. What's the pause going to cause you to do? And what I'm hoping it does is it causes the families to get back to being families. And so we can have the conversations. So we can get to know each other and love on each other because you're moving so fast that you don't know how fast you're moving until everything is stopped. So I think it's really for real. It's about family because that's where it started. You started in your family. You know, some of your best talent shows was in the basement with your mom and dad during <laughs> Christmas. And some of your best memories is Thanksgiving where grandma made the pound cake and that's what you're waiting for because that's what your taste buds have prepared you for. You know, your dad's cooking the turkey. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's that family. I think it's the music. I think it's the, the theme, whether it's the birthdays, whether it's Christmas, and of course, the spirits that come inside the libations. And I think that's the formula that I have always used is that when you have all those things with your family, all you're doing now is just extending what you already know out to other people. But we forgot about that because everybody's doing their own thing. They don't have time, this and this and this. Now that everything stops, we can reset. Yeah, you can reflect, you can reset, you can pause, you can you can chart a new course, a new direction. You know, that's so true about, you know, I, I found myself in a situation. So Jen and I, in an in a everyday sense, our normal nine to five job is flipping houses. We think we're the California version of Chip and Joanna Gaines. And so, you know, we, we When is flip. the show coming out? When is the show coming out? I want to watch. <laughs> you know, I we- i the music in the background. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we've had a great time. We got our four boys involved. We're high school sweethearts, Jen and I are. And so we've been married for 26 years and, and uh, dated for five years before we got married. And we got four boys. Our oldest is uh, 24, then 23, then 16 and 14. So we had two quick, got overwhelmed, backed off for six and a half years, and then had two more. And so, you know, I was reflecting, this was about three or four weeks ago, we were at a family dinner and uh, we'd booked some reservations to, to go into this restaurant and uh, so we're at this restaurant, it's a Mexican place. We absolutely love it. Some of the best tacos I've ever had. And uh, so we're just sitting there and I just had this this moment of flooding, John. It was just like this, you know, because as a, as a father, you know, if I go back 10 years or 11 years, I remember looking at my four boys and going, you know, I wonder what they're going to be like when they're older. I wonder what they're going to be like when they're adults. I wonder what the conversation's going to be like, you know, and that memory that that desire that question came all flooding back to me in that moment so here were my two adult sons my 16 year old is as big as a is a you know five foot ten you know 205 pound man himself and so I, I look at my my boys and we're just having the best conversation we're just laughing we're reminiscing you know some stories that you know three years before my oldest had been a shyster or five years before and so we're now hearing what he actually did with the car or hearing how that scratch actually happened or hearing you know and it was just one of those moments and, and I sat there and went you know, if it wasn't for COVID, I, I don't know that I would have been in the in the right mental space. I don't know that I would have appreciated the 
the pause. I don't know that I would have soaked it in as much as I was able to do. So I think you're exactly right. You know, like I, I really feel like, you know, that, that this is an opportunity for families to come together to, to, even though there's adversity, even there's uncertainty to, to squeeze the maximum possible familial good out of the situation, you know? Well, I also think that family is where you come from, you know, going to see mom, going to see dad, your grandparents, you know, you can learn so much about yourself. You can see so much of yourself and your mom or your, or your father or your family or why you do what you do. And especially that you have kids, like how much of yourself do you see in your kids and how much do you get the chance to talk about it or just simply play Monopoly together or some board games like we used to do back in the day before the cell phones took over. You know, just simple things, just get together and just, hear grandpa tell stories and you just sit there and get lost in his story or just, you know, simple things like that. Um, my reset for me, okay, we can do this. I can ask you. So since we're talking, I would say to engage that younger you, I would say if you could go back to your younger self and have a Ted talks with your younger self, what would that advice be? Yeah, that'd be great. Keep dreaming. You know, yeah. uh, imagine the possibilities. Don't don't settle. You know, I think that that's a really, really big thing right now. I mean, I, and I, you know, so let me ask you a question. Given where you are right now and how you, you kind of grew up as a kid in, in, the, in the ebbs and flows, if Johnson & Johnson hadn't laid you off, would you be where you are right now? I definitely would not be because I went to school to be an engineer. And the saxophone was always a stress reliever. I mean, I've been, I grew up playing in church, and I grew up playing underneath my pastor. So I was doing funerals. I was playing in church. I was doing prayer meetings on Wednesday. So, you know, and I would always have to play at all the family reunions. Um, my, my father's a retired cop, and my uh, mom's a retired elementary school principal who just so happened to go back to school and get a, uh, a second master's in mental health counseling. And the name of her company is True Hope Counseling Services. So how about oh, that? Oh, I like that. Anything that's got hope in it, we're a fan of. Right, Jen? Yes. Yes. And it's a faith-based counseling service. And she went back because she wanted to target the people in the church, the faith-based people. Since they have strong faith, well, let's, you know, give you some hope. Because if you know the truth, you can have hope. And if you have hope with research and development, you can have faith. And some people can't see faith. So I say, well, faith is some faithful steps. And, you know, as an engineer, they say, keep it so simple. Well, what is faithful steps? It's called practice. Ah, if you don't practice it, you can't do it. And then you develop love. And then you learn how to love your neighbor as you love yourself with charity. And those five principles are just so easy to me. I love that. I love that very much. And by the way, John, uh, Jen, Jen has made it back. So this is my beautiful wife, Jen. Say hello. Hi there. Hey, Jen. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. How are you? Uh, I am amazing. And I heard your new family and you're stuck with me. So <laughs> it's a party. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you don't think that you'd be in the same situation had Johnson and Johnson not laid you off. And so, you know, let, let's go back to that moment. So was that a surprise for you? Did you expect this coming? Did you see it coming or was it just, you, you know, you were just shocked? 
Uh, no, I had a year to prepare. Um, I was the project lead of the project that was going to lay us off once it got completed. So I was in charge of the layoff, and I was also in charge of the project for the layoff. So it was a lot of pressure um, just to go through that process. But I already knew, so I was planning different speeds and around the city, letting people know that, hey, I'm about to start doing this full time. And I already had a lot of connections from doctors and from hospitals and different people that I had played for in different churches that would, you know, give me some business to at least keep me going. So I, w- I knew it was coming. I knew when the project date was. I knew what the end goal was going to be. I just needed to figure out plan B. And you gave yourself uh, one year to see if this music career could be something that you could sustain and or continue, that it could be something that would that would provide for you. Yeah, I gave myself a year. Well, what happened was is during that time, so that was 2006, so two, so from 2006 to 2000 to the end of 2007, uh, where 2006 year I was playing for different people. At the time, I just happened to be auditioning for the Miami Heat because I knew stuff was coming. So I was trying to build a clientele quick with whoever I could. So when I got laid off, actually, I got laid off. Came and presented me the papers. I got a phone call from the Miami Heat. They said they wanted to do an audition, and I auditioned that day, and I played in the game that night. So I went from getting laid off, uh, supervising Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Europe for medical devices. And the next day, I'm playing for 20,000 people at E-Game. So. <laughs> that, that's, uh, I love that story. That, that's a two-by-four upside the head. Hey, you're on the right path. You know, hey, you, yeah. you, this, this is going to work out okay. It's like confirmation that the dreaming part of you is on the right path. It's, it's just telling you now and reliving that moment is it, it's a, it's so amazing that you know you it, it's I'm glad I'm telling you to experience that feel again because it was just so a friend of mine happened to play for the Miami Heat and he said John I'm gonna get you on audition but I didn't know it was gonna be that quick that soon <laughs> and I'm telling you when they say when you stay ready you don't have to get ready. This is true. This is you stay ready. You don't have to that's get ready. Right. That's a that's a Love that's that. a good yeah. one. And so, um, had you ever played for that many people before? No, mm. I mean churches was my crowd. Uh, uh, no, not nothing that big. Not no twenty thousand people. Oh no, that was that was that was so nerve wracking. Oh my goodness. Mm-mm. So what did <laughs> what did taking a go? What did you what did it feel like? Just, just, just. What did it feel like? You had a, an immense amount of nerves leading up to it, but the moment you start playing, did all that like dis- disappear? Did you? Were you? Uh, here's the question: Were you able to soak it in and appreciate it? Um. Well, okay. Let me under, let me explain to you my process. So when I'm about to play, it's it's a zone I go into. I block all that out because I can't allow that to affect the gift that guy's given me. So I just kind of fall into that zone. And to really just allow him to use me so I can play. Because if I try to get cute with it, and it just never works out because I grew up playing in church. So I grew up playing those hymns. And so, and you know, when you're playing those hymns, they want to hear the words. If it's not written in the hymn book, we don't want to hear the notes. We don't want to hear the extra words. They want to hear it straight like it says, because those words mean something. So I'm, when you hear me play, it's like I'm singing to you. That's my kind of way because I can't sing for real so I took all that energy and love and put it into the saxophone so 
I, don't, I, I can't sing for real either. And Jen will probably <laughs> tell you she can't sing for real, even though we both try occasionally. Right. Nope. <laughs> Not. What's the difference for real and for fake? I mean, if it sounds good to you, who cares? Yeah, this is true, right? You know, and that's yeah. apparently the way our second oldest son functions too, because he walks around the house all the time singing. Well, that's because he's laying positive seeds. That's yes. positive seed. When you he's, say you can't, that's a negative seed. You you don't want that. Yeah, he's 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 spewing happiness with his voice. We know he's happy when he's walking around singing all the the notes <laughs> to the songs. Well, you know what? You can't say you can't sing. You have to say you haven't practiced singing yet, so you're not there yet. Yeah, this this is positive, positive. Now this is called yes. hope, right? This yes, hope. this is this is the Hope Radio podcast. Got we got to stay hope filled. <laughs> yeah, gotta have hope gotta have radio. that hope. Oh, okay, on, on on three, we're gonna say hope. One, two, three. Hope. hope. <laughs> Love it. There we go. So, um, so you, you get into music in 2006, it becomes your, your full-time thing. I mean, you go from working at Johnson Johnson to playing in front of 20,000 people. And so did, did it just explode from there or was it more of a gradual rise? Did you have to grind a lot? Like, tell us about that first year, year and a half as you were trying to make it in, uh, in your career in music. Oh, I would love to tell you. So when I first started out, I had a rolling keyboard amp, a VCR, and a wireless saxophone mic connected together, and I would just get on iTunes and download instrumentals. So I don't know what instrumental was going to come up at the time, but whatever came up, I just played it. So it was like a like a karaoke, I just hope I knew the song. And I would push play, but if I didn't like the song, I would pull the remote out of my pocket and fast forward it to the next song. <laughs> And it would go, and so whatever song, so I could set the mood. But and and I and I just didn't want to stay in one spot like I had saw most saxophone players. So I would walk around and play like that, and people would first invite me for free. I had to play for free at hotels, and I was just saying yes. Somebody needed entertainment, I would be like, I'll do it. I would volunteer my services, like I'll do it, just so I could get my name out there. And some of my friends started using me, and that's how I really started. I didn't know anything, but I knew I loved music. And, you know, I played for church, so, so I know how to party. You know, we've thrown plenty of parties. I used to have a band prior to this. So, you know, I'm used to what's popping, what's familiar. I just believe in having a good time. So I'm going to throw the same type of party for you that I would throw for myself. That's and awesome. cater to you. That's awesome. That's so, I mean, I'm just coming to you and just providing you a BPM that your heartbeat can just let go to and have hope, and that hope turns into faith that you're going to get out there on the dance floor and then you're going to love it and then it's going to be contagious and that's charity. That's great. I love what you said about music and when we were talking offline that you said music is a spirit. Expand on that. Um, when something tastes so good or when you love someone, when you hug someone, it makes you close your eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when music sounds that good, music... And it engages with all five senses. It makes you close your eyes. And this is just a, you know, a hearing experience that makes you close your eyes. It takes you back to that first time, um, the, your, your, the first dance that you guys danced to at your wedding. The, the song that she played when she was walking down the aisle. The song that you played when you was walking down the aisle. Those songs are strong and they mean something. It, it means love. And sometimes you can't look at love. You have to experience love. And so that's what the John Sachs experience is about, taking that spirit and allowing me to give you back those memories with this soundtrack 
that makes your heart beat a different way than it ever has beaten before. And that's what the spirit of music does. Oh, man, I, I think that's uh, wonderful. I think music has the ability in the deepest and darkest of moments to lift you, to brighten your attitude, to to lift your spirits. And I, and I think that that's, that's exactly what you're saying in, in a different way is that it enters your body and, and it's a it's a otherworldly experience when you connect with it. It's just like it can it can make all the difference in the world to your emotional state to your um you know belief faith hope all that stuff and and i wish i had musical talent i i do not i will tell you that right now you just i don't. haven't practiced you <laughs> haven't practiced musical talent this is true well hey this this is what i say my, my talent may not be music but it doesn't mean that i don't have other talents you know like so jen, jen my father told me i'm an only child he told me way back when so kind of connecting to your early days just like you did he told me way back when, um, I, I think it was nine or 10, he told me I had the gift of gab. And so mm-hmm. like I've interpreted that as, okay, you know, I, I've got the ability to talk with people. I've got the ability to communicate with, with people. And it, it's funny, the pandemic is really, for me, almost like with you, like you, you connected with your purpose after you left something else that was what you thought was your purpose or that maybe you had started a path on. And so for me, for 22 years, I was a financial advisor. And uh, I was one of these guys that just always sat back and go, "What? What? why am I here? Like, what is my purpose? And it wasn't until the pandemic and it wasn't until this podcast that I actually really feel like I've connected with my purpose. My purpose is to is to spread light and hope to others. And through this medium, through a podcast like this, through discussions with awesome people like yourself, it's just, you know, I feel more connected than I've ever been to what I feel like I was purposed with doing on this planet. That's so, that's so amazing that you just said that because that's the difference between your talent and your gift. And when you understand that, you can find your purpose. Oh, oh. How did, how did you learn that? I mean, did someone share that with um, you? Is that just experiential or? No, um, my mom and I, we listened to Dr. David Jeremiah in the morning. And he said that a week ago. And we take notes and we talk about it. And when he said that, I, it just, it's, you know, certain things that people say, it just sticks with you. And as soon as you said that, it triggered when you find your talent. And when you find your gift, you'll understand your person. Uh, and I get it. Yeah. and you, But you know what's crazy about that is it is it took for me, going back to what you said originally, it took for me the pause. It took for me the reflection, you know, because like Jen and I, we, we flipped five houses back in 2019 and we had five more houses that ran our pipeline in 2020 and had things gone the way that the, we had expected them to go. Like I would have been too busy with that to pay attention to the prompting that, you know, God was giving me. And, and the backstory for, for you, I know you haven't heard this, but, you know, the Hope Radio podcast goes back 10 years. And so I, I used to do radio in Sacramento in, uh, for my financial services practice. And about a year, year and a half into doing a one-hour show on the weekend, I felt like I had a dream and I felt like God was telling me to do something with Hope, Hope Radio. And I had no idea what it meant. I had no idea how to act on it. And, you know, I was spending a lot of money on radio advertising back then. I'm like, how am I going to pay for a show on Hope? Who's going to listen? How am I going to get... Like, I just had no idea what way it would move forward. And a friend of ours made us a sign that said Hope Radio Podcast on it. And I was like 
wow, she because I'd shared with her what I was I was thinking, and so I literally had that sign in my studio for seven years, never did anything with it, sold the business, got out of financial services, was flipping houses for two years, and then when the pandemic hit and the quarantines. About a week into that, I looked at Jen and I said, I feel I, I just had this overwhelming prompting that God was calling me to do this Hope Radio podcast. I had the studio, I had the equipment, I had now the time, and I felt like the need was there. And so he connected those dots, but he had planted that seed 10 years previous, you know, so that it's it's just amazing how, you know, you, you reflect back over your life and then some things become so obvious when you look back, but at the time it was not obvious. And so it's it's just been an incredible ride, to say the least. You know what? I, it, it's funny. God works things out in his time and when it's time, and it's always perfect. Oh, I live that. I agree with that completely. So in your, in your, you know, transition to, to music, you know, what was the most challenging part of making that work, making that happen? I mean, what, what was the real life struggle in, in the midst of the, of the grind for John Sachs when you, when you began this whole thing? Well, for me, being an engineer helped so much in structuring because I was already structured. I was running a company. Um, I was in charge of their, the MAG process, which is define, measure, analyze, innovative, innovation, and control. So I can deal with the process from beginning to end. And I tell you whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And if it's bad, then we come in and fix it. We do our own analysis. So I'm very detailed when it comes to that. So all I knew was, relationships. It was about relationships. Whether I was getting money or not, it was about establishing relationships because I like to party. And if I come and provide my entertainment services, your party is going to be amazing. That's it. So I guess the hardest part is contract and collecting the money and getting people to show up on time. It sounds like you might have had a, a story or two on that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's music. you got to think about it. It's music. So there's no wrong in music. There's no wrong in music. It's your experience that you are closing your eyes and taking your mind, body, and soul and blowing breath into a brass instrument. So it's like you're, you're an alchemist. You're taking your experiences and your life and source and putting that into an instrument and creating amazing music. Or you're taking a violin and you're using your hands and you're closing your eyes and you're using your imagination to play beautiful music. Musicians are the best magicians ever, and it's just you're going out and doing magic shows. It's, it's 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 so amazing that you know. Until we had this podcast, you made me really think about what to really say because you're family and you've adopted me, and you're and you're giving me hope in myself to be more, use more of my imagination to tell someone like you who's encouraged me that says that, hey, 10 years ago, seven years ago, all this was thought about, never thought about it, and it wasn't until today that you triggered and went back to your younger self and was like, wow, you got put on pause. And it's like, wow, this is what, I, I know my purpose now. Yeah. Because you recognize your talent and you recognize your gift and you're like, wow, it's been right there, but, you know, it's like the diamond in the rough. You had to get through all the rough, uh, chiseling away at this rough, and then all of a sudden, boom. There goes your diamond. 
Yeah, it's like it's the twenty night, the twenty year overnight success story. You know, like you just got to <laughs> yeah. persevere, persevere, and people go, "Wow, I, you know, it looks like he he came to success so quickly." And yeah, you didn't see the twenty years worth of grinding along the way. But you have eighty six thousand four hundred seconds a day. So how are you going to use those seconds? You're either going to use them in the minor key or in the major key. You're going to be positive or negative. So you got to choose what song you want to have each second of your day. Ha-ha. How you like that? Yeah, I love that. I think that that's a very, very appropriate thing to to keep everybody reminded of. 86,400 seconds in a day. You know, I, I've heard some reference to that in that, you know, let's say you have s- somebody uh, cut you off on the highway or somebody's rude to you in a store or whatever. You know, are you going to spoil the other 86,000, you know, 350 seconds over a minute worth of problems? Or are you going to just, you know, let it go and enjoy the other 86,000 seconds? And so I think that's just a, an important reminder. You only have so much time. Time is your most precious commodity. And, and I try to communicate that to my boys, you know, just be cognizant of that, be aware of that and, and take advantage of every opportunity. Live in the moment. Exactly. Because if you say you spend a hundred negative seconds, you know what? You better have, you have to make that up somewhere with a hundred positive seconds that are so amazing that you forgot about those hundred seconds that you wait. That's what I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And so, so what, what's the most significant venue that you've played and how, how large of a crowd have you played in front of now? Wow. Um, that's a good, good question. Okay. So, um, I would say the Thoroughbred Association, we did the Eclipse Awards, which is the awards gala for, and the horses win at the Triple Crown and at Kentucky Derby. And it's about, I don't know, probably about 5,000 people in, but it's broadcast to about three to five million people live. And it's like a live um, show. I think that has, was probably my most significant because if the guys went over two minutes, I would have to play. So I was the walk-off music. And what I played was for release every time. So when... When two minutes gone, they would cue my uh, headset and say, John, start playing. And I start playing fur leaves right in the middle. And I think that was probably the most significant because I had to be rude. And I didn't want to necessarily be rude, but they told that I did what they tell me to do. At two minutes, start playing. Fur leaves comes in at two minutes every time. And everybody starts laughing and joking. Now, mind you, these people have American Pharaoh's owner. We're talking about some of the best horse trainers, horse owners, horses, jockeys in the world. And if they go past two minutes, regardless of who you are, fur release is coming. <laughs> so that, I think that was probably the most significant because the next day they were talking about it at the Pegasus. So I was like, wow. It was like, oh, Mr. Sachs played fur release. He told him I passed two minutes. And guys would go up there and say, I don't want Mr. Sachs playing fur release on me. So I'm going to make, I'm going to say it, keep it at a minute and 15 seconds. So it was like, wow. I, it was, it was amazing and scary at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can only believe it. So do you use any part of your engineering degree any longer? And I'm, I'm curious, as you, as you now look back over your life, I mean, was, was college and your degree worth it? Would you do it differently now, knowing what you know now? Or do you think it was just, the, you know, the beautiful path, that the perfect, beautiful path that God put you on? Um, well, you know what? Everything that I learned in college, every class, every situation, I just kept reapplying it to each situation because, you know, getting the engineering degree is one thing, 
using the engineering degree is another. It's way harder to get an engineering degree than it is to use it because you got certain skills. It's like learning a new class, like differential equations or calculus, all those fluid mechanics, all those classes that I had to learn where I came in. I didn't know anything, but I had to be a master of it before I came out. That's how you got a degree. So school for me just kind of trained me just to expect the unexpected. You know, a project plan. I have multiple vision boards um, and I have a will. So what I did was put everything in my will. So just in case something happens to me, you know, that's what that's what I was shooting for. If I didn't make it, it's still there. And I, then I've created a vision board and reverse engineer my life. So I'm like, OK, I'm starting press as a saxophone player. Um, what do I need? So I use my engineering degree to that point. Now I have my own saxophone line um, put out by the grounding sax. It's called the Red Lava, and it's red and black um, because red is my favorite color. I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. I went to Miami of Ohio, whose colors are red and white. And, of course, the Miami Heat was my first client. So I had to just put the red into the saxophone, and it represents love. Oh, I love that. So I use my engineering. To, yeah, it's called Red Lava. I have a soprano alto and tenor. And along with that, my logo is engraved inside of the uh, saxophone and my signature, and it's trademarked. So I use my engineering degree in music hand in hand because what it did was it allowed me to take an engineer mindset and apply it to a musician. Do you sometimes now, John, just look back over the 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 trail, the 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 crumbs, the breadcrumbs, the introductions, the divine connections, just in and just marvel that you are where you are given what's happened in your life and and then just how good it it is because you you're doing what you love you're doing what you're what you have a gift for you're doing you're making people happy i mean i i just got to imagine you must pinch yourself every once in a while and go this is the greatest job in the world like how did i end up here well it, yes and no because sometimes it's so amazing that it turns into work and then when it turns into work, it 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 doesn't get it loses its luster. It's not fun no more. And I think I pushed myself where it got to work. And that lackluster kind of it was like, man, you know, I'm doing like 30 weddings a year. I'm on all these wedding shows. I'm doing national anthem of the heat games like once a month. I mean, it's a grind and it's a hustle. But you know, we're doing all the Miami Dolphin home games. You know, and that's those are all day affairs. And it was like work. But what happened was, um. This lady named Polly Wilkie, 84-year-old lady, came and asked me to, she found me in Curaday, and she came and asked me to play at her charity ball. I said, cool, I got you, no problem. She's like, how much are you going to charge me? I was like, for you, nothing. This is just amazing to be asked. And so I went and played her cocktail hour, and then at the ball, she's sponsored by Walt Disney World. So I didn't know that. So when I walk into the doors, Mickey and Minnie Mouse are greeting me. And I'm saying, what? is going on. She knows Mickey and Minnie Mouse. So I, I guess I transformed into that little kid again. And they had a human marionette with this big 10-foot guy controlling these human marionettes. And it was like I was, it was like Circus Soleil um, meets the circus for 100 people. And it was just so amazing that it reignited my flame. And it made me go back to the cartoon when I was inspired by Superman and Batman and, and I'm a superhero and my secret weapon is the saxophone. And with the saxophone, I can make, take the spirit of music and make people dance and make people have a good time. And, you know, if people are feeling sad, I can uplift them. Or 
if people are feeling down, I know I can take my instrument and uplift your spirit. That's what the charity did for me. So now that I'm playing for people, it's like superhero. I'm dressed a certain way. Um, I, I cater to your senses. We're playing music that you haven't heard. Frank Sinatra, and Stevie Wonder, and stuff that your grandparents used to, to listen to because when you have uh, great music and good people, that's a good spirit. And it's just amazing and it's filled with hope because you know that the party is just, it's amazing and hope. That's what it is. There we go. I can stop there. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, as we close out the show, I just, I, you know, I guess I want to get your take on this. I want you to imagine that there's somebody out there going through their version of a trial, their version of a struggle. Maybe they're about to get laid off. Maybe they did get laid off. Maybe there's some uncertainty about their financial future, etc. So what, what would you share that might be hope-filling or uplifting to somebody that's in the thick of it right now? Two things. I would say God didn't give everybody everything, but he did give you something. And with that something, you can do anything. And then I would say you never lose. You either win or you learn. You either gonna try to jump over that hurdle and fail, and you're gonna fail, but eventually you're gonna get it right. Adversity is when you should be at your strongest because that mistake, if you wanna call it a mistake, I just said you just had some bad seconds that you need to correct. You need to go relook at your vision board. You need to pray and, and tell God earnestly what's on your mind and, and allow him to help you because sometimes humans not going to necessarily have the answer and you need to go to your power source whatever your power source may be to seek that because sometimes it's just going to be you and your power source you and your faith you and your lord and and that's all it's going to be and so you have to know that you're still here and if you're still here you can still do it well said john thank you so much that's awesome i think that that's such a good point to to reflect on. If you're still here, you still have a purpose. If you're still here, you can still do something. If you're still here, you can still dream. If you're still here, you can still create and 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 make anew. And so I think that that's a great, great place to, uh, to close out our message of hope. So thank you so much for joining us today on the, on the podcast. I really appreciate it. You've been a phenomenal guest. Oh, thank you so much. You know, it's just, Telling the truth is fun, don't you think? <laughs> I think it is. I, I can't, yeah, absolutely. Telling the truth and speaking truth and and uh, pouring into people, I think that there's nothing better. I think it's, uh, it's an awesome. No, speaking the truth about hope. Yes. Ah. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much. No, you're so welcome. And you have an amazing day. Well, repeat after me. I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I am amazing. I am amazing. I am amazing. I am amazing. Because sometimes you're the only person that's going to tell yourself that you're amazing. <laughs> this is true. That's very this true. This is true. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. So you're so welcome. Have an amazing day. Well, Jen, I don't know about you, but I thought that was fascinating. I know you came in in the middle half of the interview, but that was so much fun. John is just an excellent, excellent communicator. I love how he rolled out his story. And there was a part that I wanted to fill you in on that you uh, missed, and it was the initial story, what sparked all of his journey. So John mm-hmm. said when he was in fourth grade, 
he actually, it was career day, and there was a gentleman that came and uh, spoke to the class, and he asked the class, who wants to fly? And, you know, and as a kid, who doesn't want to fly? Like, yeah. every every boy Everyone wants to be wants Superman, to wants to fly, right? So, you know, John raises his hand, and the guy picks him and, and brings him up in front of the class and stands him on a chair and has him close his eyes and spread out his arms and say, you flying yet? And he's like, no, I'm not flying yet. And what John didn't realize was it was an exercise in imagination and yeah. memory and the guy gave him a card and, and come to find out this guy was an engineer at Johnson and Johnson. And so through a series of events, John ended up becoming himself graduated with an engineering degree, started oh, working with wow. Johnson and Johnson yeah. and worked with them for four years uh, before he actually put himself out of a job. He was part of a team and they knew they had a contract and it was going to be upcoming and stuff. And so he ended up transitioning to music. And so here now he is, I mean, I love that playing story. Music. Yeah, yeah like he story. literally went from Johnson and Johnson one day to the next day playing in front of the Miami Heat crowd, twenty thousand people, and his life has never been Which the same. Which sounds since. way more fun. I know. Doesn't it sound invigorating? Yeah. It just seems like you know that would just be like like truck charged to the max. It doesn't like, full sound capacity. like work at all. It doesn't. You know, but he did acknowledge. You take the 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 thing that you love and you put too much schedule behind it, too mm-hmm. much formality behind it, and it becomes like work. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to to differentiate as well, but, uh, fascinating. I mean, I I just, I love talking to people that are clearly living their, their purpose and, and using their talents the way that you would expect that God had put them on the planet to do. And John certainly is one of those, one of those guys. So if people want to hear more about our Hope Radio podcast, uh, we're on all of the platforms. So any podcast platform you have, hit the subscribe button. You know, that way we do new episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every week, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So hit the subscribe button and you'll be notified exactly when we post a new show. And if people want to connect with us more directly, Jennifer, how do they do that? They can connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast. Awesome. I think they should go do that right now. Maybe send us a message. Maybe yeah. you've got a story of hope to share with us. Yeah, or just say hi. Just say hi. You know, that's a, that's another thing we don't bite. So nope. just say hi, say hello, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in and listening. And you know what, Jen? I have a fascinating interview that I'm going to be doing tomorrow. Okay. And I've actually already started that interview, mm. and I'm going to give you a little teaser of it. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. I was in an all-day training session, and I started to have feelings of, you know, my sight not being quite right. Well, I made it back home and you know, laid on the couch that night because I didn't want to, you know, wake up the family. So when I woke up and I needed to use the restroom, I, everything was everything was a lot darker than it was uh, normally. So I stumbled my way to the restroom and turned on the light switch and. That's when uh, I saw that, well, I didn't see. (laughs) I I saw that I didn't see. I I was blind at that point. 